Alright, welcome to another episode of Cantankerous Curmudgeons, a show all about technology, hope, hype, and reality. I'm Ray. And I'm Esteban. And we're your doubtful tech experts, and we're glad you're here. Kinda, frankly, we're just geeks who like to hear ourselves talk and love to complain about technical stuff. And today, lots of complaining. Today we're going to talk about going green and what it really means. Alright, I'm going to kick this shindig off today because I had a conversation with my son over the weekend that uh, spurned this discussion today. And my son looked at me and he says, Dad, you got to stop driving this truck. We need to buy a, an electric vehicle because it's better for the environment. And I said, son, what are you talking about? He said, Dad, you don't burn gas in an electric vehicle. I said, okay, but where do you think the power comes from? He's like, the house, you plug it in. And so we got to discussing about the entire, you know, life cycle of electricity and you know come to find out that he has been taught all of these things in school about going green and electric vehicles are the best but they haven't talked through the value chain of electricity so we talked about well where do you think it comes from in the house well from the wall okay well where does it come from before the house or before the wall i don't know okay well it goes to this panel and this panel is fed by this other panel which is fed by this transfer station, which is then fed by a power plant. Well, where I'm at in the world, we do a little bit of solar, little tiny bit of solar, a little tiny bit of wind, no nuclear, uh, and very little hydro. We're actually on the wrong side of the mountains to do hydro. Um, so what we get is a lot of coal burning electricity generation. So we had the discussion, my son and I, about well, is it cleaner or dirtier to burn coal to generate steam, to turn turbines, to generate electricity, to power your electric car, or to burn gas in the truck? And so that's where we want to talk about today. And, and what does it really mean to go green? And not just the value prop of uh, or the value chain of electricity, but sourcing everything for the electric vehicles today. Because there are some, them, some elements, some minerals, some things that go into those electric vehicles that are far worse for the environment than even the coal that is burning to produce the electricity to charge those vehicles. Oh, wait. I thought lithium grew on trees. No, it's the cobalt. The cobalt grows on trees. That's ah, the one. And okay. if we really want to bring this up, we'll get into some child labor and some slavery and, you know, all of those fun things, too. Because the cobalt mining that happens in Africa is definitely one of the most clean endeavors, wink, wink, ever. It's a big rug that uh, we need to sweep this all under. So, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the funny thing is, right, is nobody thinks about it this way, right? They think, oh, I'm driving an electric car. It's better for the environment. Yeah. Well, At the instant that you're driving it and not producing noxious diesel or gas emissions, you are absolutely right. You are instantaneously better for the environment than my Dodge. However, if we look at the entire sourcing of all of the things that go into that vehicle, I don't necessarily have a whole lot of empirical evidence, but my gut, which is typically 52 to 54% of the time right, and I, I say that flippantly, says that there's a nasty, nasty, nasty set of non-green things going on in all of those green cars. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, look, I, I, as much as I'm not a fan of economics and, and economic theory, the concept of externalities is really helpful here because people don't like to think about the stuff that they can't see, the stuff that they consider to be kind of free to them because they don't have to suffer the consequences of. And then I, there's obviously a lot of people who spend a lot of time trying to justify why you know buying a Tesla is the best thing in the universe because you know hey I bought Tesla five years ago and you know I'm, I made a bunch of money well we can do some analysis of the things that we know right we can maybe look at emissions of power plants and all the stuff I know the problem is all the other stuff that you were pointing out that is hidden for which we have right. no data right because it's nasty and no one either really cares about it, wants to know, or it's nasty enough that the data is unavailable because it ha the, the activities happen in places where things are so awful for everyone that there's just no way, there's no journalism, there's no independent anything, so you're not going to really get anything. So the, the immediate uh, issue of people saying, oh, well, you know, we've looked at this and the emissions and this and that, it's like, yeah. You've analyzed what you can analyze, right? What you can't analyze is very significant. Yeah, Dick, I don't know how, neither do they, but certainly ignoring it doesn't make it go away, right? Well, and yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I don't know that it's ignoring it. I think it's, it's a, uh, a natural bias to play with the aleatoric unknowns, right? Those known unknowns. As opposed to trying to dabble into estimating the epistemic unknowns, yeah, sure. right? The unknown unknowns, because it's easier, right? But I also don't think we do a real good job, because frankly, we we, we ostrich a lot, right? We, we <sighs> want to put our heads in the sand. We don't want to think about, well, what happens when we go to dispose of those batteries, right? How, you know, can we recycle them? What does that recycling process look like? Is it just as bad as throwing them and burying them in the ground or dumping them in the ocean? I mean, what is, we don't have a lot of data around that. So I think there's a fallacy of saying that the instantaneous measure of emissions is really making a difference because well, it's, it. Yeah, it's like it's NIMBYism, right? It's like because yeah. no CO2 is coming out of your tailpipe because you don't have a tailpipe. That makes you – it all goes back to virtual signaling, right? Virtual signaling is everywhere these days. And so it's not just that you feel better that you're, quote, unquote, saving the planet, even though maybe you're not. You've just shifted things. But also this idea that – Either implicitly or explicitly, you're better than, than the, the person next to you uh, who has a tailpipe in their vehicle. So, it, you know, one thing, I guess, is you, you feel better because you, you're not doing that. The other thing is when you get on your high horse and you start preaching that, hey, all the other people are nasty brutes who are going to kill us all without any evidence to support that and then there's this whole ecosystem fueled by social media and so on that we've just discussed in you know other uh, episodes <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes this echo chamber right and it's it's concerning that it filters down to the schools where they give no context it's usually right. you need context 
Yeah, no, you've got to have context. And frankly, you've got to do a better job of staying off of the normal hype. So let me ask you a question. Let's let's not talk about the dichotomy between electric and gas, because that one's that one's going to be a fuel for the ages. We'll come back to that in a minute, because it's it's harder to identify kind of the differences and the entire life cycle of both. But we'll come back to it. Let me ask you this question. Is diesel cleaner, burning, more efficient, or dirtier and less efficient than gasoline? I guess it depends on who you ask and do you have a defeat device or not. So I guess you know, under normal circumstances, I think there is a, a bias to uh, against diesel because it yeah. used to be much dirtier. But well, it looks dirtier. Has- no, no, no. It's never been more dirty. It looks dirty. Oh, so it's the particulates versus the like CO2 Correct. and NO2 and all that. Correct. Even, even the Sierra Club put out an article just recently that talks about diesels being far more efficient, right? They produce more nitrates and nitrogen oxides, which are the, the visible components, but far less CO2, which is why you'll see the bulk of European car manufacturers have all gone diesel. Volkswagen, Mercedes, BMW, all of them are diesel. Oh, yeah. In Europe, far it's more efficient. harder to find a, a, a gasoline car. Yeah. 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 Right. Finding a petrol car, finding a, a, a you know, petrol, a, a, a gasoline-based car is really hard to do in Europe. Well, part of that is because they've realized that diesel actually burns cleaner, is more efficient in the cars. And doesn't pollute as much. Yes, it pollutes differently, but it doesn't pollute to the point that petrol cars do in oh, yeah. the, in terms of, you know, destroying the atmosphere. We're just destroying groundwater, right? It's, you know, two different things. <laughs> or, or we just all go nitromethane and, you know, put this to rest. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because jet fuel is the most efficient most unrefined, easiest thing to produce and consume. Well, I was thinking, you know, cars uh, powered by bunker fuel, you know, that's good stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, why don't we go to kerosene even? I mean, it's barely refined, you know, and burns terribly. (laughs) Yeah, the, the fumes definitely help out. But yeah, so, you know, there's the whole technical aspect. Right of of what's better and ultimately the whole chain, as you were pointing out, of extraction, refinement, uh, uh, installation, and then disposal later on, which is right. really really complicated to to quantify. And then there is the marketing aspect, right? There's the marketing oh, yeah. slash uh, psychological aspect that is so important because clearly now electric vehicles have a lot of traction, which I guess is good. But if the reason for electric vehicles is, or with the purported reason for adopting electric vehicles is based on a fallacy, then not only are we not helping the planet, but maybe we're driving towards the heat death of the earth much more quickly, right? Well, so... No, I, I love where you're going, right? I mean, we, we look at it today and, you, you know, you see, 
you know, all of these traditional gasoline and diesel manu- car manufacturers are going electric, right? There's an electric Mustang, there's an electric Corvette, there's an electric F-150, right? There's all of these different electric models of tr- of classic, um, classically petroleum-based vehicles. Well, that's great. I mean, the performance specs on some of these things are amazing, right? The torque, the towing. Oh, yeah. Awesome. The range, awful. The, re- the you know... Recharge period, awful. But no one's looking at what does it mean when we try to dispose of those cars in 5 to 15 years, right? Are, you know, I know that, you know, if we were to dispose of my my Dodge today, right, you'd have, you know, a bunch of petroleum-based fluids that you got to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of those can be disposed of reasonably well. Not great, but reasonably well. And then, you know, some rare earth metals in the catalytic converter and in the battery that are going to take a long time to break down or be recycled or whatever. Oh, but, but the cats, I mean, like, that's something there's a big market for, right? Oh, because they're valuable, so they, it, they're not going to go to waste. Well, exactly. So they're going to be reused or recycled. But when we look at the, you know, I don't think anyone's done a tremendous, and, and this is me just speaking now because I haven't done a ton of research on this, but I haven't seen a lot of research done on the future of disposal of EVs, right? We're talking about acids and, you know, valuable metals and, you know, other things that don't exist in today's automobiles in the quantity that they do in EVs. No doubt. And, you know, let's assume that, yes, in, in, in a free market, there's in a be a clear need for this to happen, so entrepreneurs will will rise up and uh, fill the void because that's what they do, and that makes a lot of sense. But what's the lag, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens in the transition period? But one other thing to point out is just the basic safety. So you you get this amazing performance. There's no yep. doubt about that. Now, of course, uh, gasoline-powered cars or IC-based cars were awful in the 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s until Ralph Nader, a bunch of other people. And so I'm not saying that they were always perfect, but certainly in the last maybe 30 to 40 years, more or less, in, in around the world, the cars that are manufactured are much safer than they used to be. And right. you know, they tend not to blow up when they you know get a crash. Somebody... It crashes into you from behind or at the right angle, whatever. No more fireballs, right? Now, we don't seem to be at the same place with electric vehicles. And there's, you know, a lot of anecdotal evidence of these really, really, really gnarly fires and, uh, you know, the absence of battery kill switches and, you know, things that... um, certainly present new challenges that no one likes to talk about too much because it tarnishes that perfect reputation of of these green vehicles that are going to save the earth. But certainly, the more adoption we get, the more this is going to become an issue. And there there are all the ramifications that that you need to consider for fire departments, right? Where you have a, a fire department showing up to one of these accidents and they can't Put the fire out because it burns too hot and it's right. an electrical fire as opposed to a what they're used to and absolutely i'm not saying that no one should have electric cars they're great for a lot of reasons you know i absolutely echo your points but it's about that kind of blind drive towards them and the unwillingness to look at the bigger picture 
right? The electric car manufacturers and the battery manufacturers should be engaged in a discussion, you know, as usual, right, with more openness to help fire departments around the world prepare for this stuff, right? Instead of trying to minimize the risks, because when we start seeing people dying or getting disfigured or being, you know, terribly uh, affected by these things, will people start saying, oh, well, you know, maybe you should do this. But we know this stuff today, right? This is right. not an unknown. So it's kind of unconscionable that there is no more effort being put out by the people who make these things to say, let's understand the risks and let's prepare. Because, of course, you can prepare against anything, right? You just have to know what it is and then help the people who respond and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, and, and I think to, to that point, right, is, as we almost always talk about, it, it comes back to having a dialogue and having an open exchange of information, right, and not bottling things up in silos because that makes things worse, right? The, the more free flow of information, the more of a dialogue that we have, the better people can be prepared, the more knowledgeable they can be. And, and, and I want to extend that into, you know, you know, again, this educational paradigm that comes up all too often with us too, is that we can't have this, you know, rhetoric show up in the education system that is not the full story. Yeah. Right. Because that causes then this, this mentality that doesn't explore all of the sides. It explores the side that's been presented. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, foster a, creative, inquisitive mindset. It creates a blind following, a, a blind belief that one thing is better than the other. And because yes. we're not because we're not teaching both sides, we're not teaching the entire value chain, we're teaching the the marketing, it's a it, it does our kids no good. And, and we get questions like, Dad, why don't we own a, an EV? Dad, why aren't you driving an EV? This truck's terrible for the environment. Yeah, the thing is, we, it's absolutely true that big oil is awful. There's no doubt about that. You know, and you know they make efforts sometimes, but that doesn't mean that anything that's not big oil is great. It just means that it's not big oil. So things are going to be more reasonable when we talk about big oil and we talk about big batteries or whatever you know you want to call them. But we can't keep not talking about. Like, how many people would engage in the discussion of lithium mining or cobalt mining or neodymium or the rare earths? And this is or acid production or you know yeah. acid disposal or any of these other things that are truly abysmal. When you look at yeah. it, I mean, hell, the cobalt mining and, and lithium mining is typically done by children in sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, or you know, I, you know. I have ties to South America and yep, there what's you go. happening in, in Bolivia and Peru and northern Chile and Argentina where you have the salt flats, right, and the yep. Atacama Desert and, yep. you know, other you know, adjoining regions is a big deal. It's a, there's a, a lithium rush that is not unlike the gold rush because right. that is where the lithium is. And, of course, all these large corporations want to guarantee their access to lithium. And 
So lithium is just one thing. When you talk about the rare earths for the magnets, that's an even bigger problem bigger, because yep. the majority of the rare earths or the supply of rare earths is in China. And yep. China considers them extremely strategic as they should. So there's a very clear risk that those are just going to go away. They're going to disappear. The only suppliers of these rare earth based magnets are going to be in China. And then what? Well, you know, then they're going to be able to do whatever they want because they control the supply. That's right. So that is, you know, without getting into any sort of crazy conspiracy theory, that's obviously a strategic risk to anybody who's not China, right? If you right. convert your fleet of vehicles to 80% EVs and EVs need these magnets for their motors, then what? If you can't make motors, you know, you're going to be at it. Right. And, you know, if your military depends on that and you need even more special motors for more torque because you're moving heavy artillery or whatever the case may be, and then all of a sudden you can't make them because you need the super strong magnets to make more torque or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That is just absent from the general discussion. That's and right. It seems very short-sighted. Yeah, I mean, I think it is short-sighted, but I also think it's, you know, the, kind of the popular trend is that, well, it doesn't feel good or it's too far away and it's not part of the discussion I want to have, right? right? And and I think that kind of, you know, ostriching to, to coin a verb oh, yeah. uh, or leverage a verb that maybe shouldn't be one is, is ridiculous, but it happens all the time. We don't talk about all of those things. We sure don't do it with petroleum-based products either, right? And the, the things that go on to, to harvest coal and harvest oil and and those types of things and the, the crappy things that people do for that. But it's the same with these other supply chain portions of, of building into the EVs. And you're right. If you're not looking at it from a risk reduction perspective, you're not looking at it right. You're, you're looking at it through the wrong lens because you could be screwed really quickly without that availability to core components, you know, and, and that's, that's a terrifying thought. I mean, the, the most recent attacks on the, uh, on the Eastern seaboard pipeline, right. Are a similar example of not understanding the dependence yes. on a natural good. And then the public losing their minds about it. Because it's just yeah. not been part of the discussion. And and so it's the same as this, right? It it's just looks different. Yeah. And, and one more thing, we, we happen to live in a cultural moment in which people take offense at anything and everything very, very quickly. And, you know, I'll just use this as shorthand, not because I really, you know, care about the term so much, but the, the whole, like, you get canceled. So yeah. because raising any question about anything can be taken as a, a you know, or somebody's going to take offense at, then that whole discussion can't happen, right? So if you say, well, we should look at the whole picture of EVs and batteries and everything we were just talking about, there's going to be an almost knee-jerk reaction, instant sort of thousands of voices rising up saying, 
you are in the pocket of big oil you know we can't talk about that what do you want to kill you know evs before they're born you know and that is a scary prospect because you literally can't talk about something that makes a lot of sense right you're not right. saying oh um i think evs are really bad because i really want exxon to, to keep earning hundreds of billions of dollars <laughs> right it, it's it, it's an obvious question to ask but yet it's not you know in certain and it's funny because it cuts both ways like in one camp you can't bring that up because then you're a monster against the environment and on the other camp you can't talk about it because you know you're basically a communist because you know you don't you, you're, right. you're against uh, rolling call you know because rolling call is, is somehow you know patriotic or something so no one can talk about anything right <laughs> of course it is didn't you know of course of course it is yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it all just comes down to, you know, people want to believe what they want to believe. They want to believe they're being altruistic. They want to believe that everybody's being altruistic and that everybody should have everything and nobody should go without and yada, 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 yada. And that's just not the way it works. And I think the more that we remove ourselves from the true cost, and I'm going to use the word cost loosely here, of the things that we do... Um, you know, in the things that we buy in this consumerization or consumerized society, it's kind of scary, right? We haven't done a really good job of saying, where does this come from? What is it going to do when I have to dispose of it? And and those are discussions people just don't want to have um, because it makes them feel bad about themselves potentially. Right, right. And, 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 and Lord knows we can't have that. Hard. No, 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 because then you make it sad and, you know. Sad, sad is bad. Sucks. Yes, sad <laughs> is bad. I think that should be the new motto for, for everything. Right. right, right. All right, my friend. Well, thank you for, for diving into what's being green. We should have had a Kermit uh, ep- portion of this episode, but I think we're, we're okay without it. As always, it's good. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.